This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 370, Driving with the Queen. Welcome again to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. This is Michael Martin, one of your co-hosts here on this show that we do on a uh, usually very regular basis, but we have a couple of interruptions in that, uh, to talk about tech, to talk about interesting things, to talk about games, to talk about work, to talk about the intersection of all those. And I am delighted to be joined by my friend, co-founder, co-host, adequately named the same name as me, so it's easy for you to remember, Mr. Michael well, he has a different last name. Rome. Just Mr. Michael, right? I mean, because if, <laughs> if you add anything else, then it's not named the same. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a Michael by any other name, would they still talk so much tech? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are pro- probably people who would wish that we wouldn't, I guess. So that, that's why well, we tough. do a podcast. They, that's so right, you can so they don't either have to listen, listen to or not listen. Right? Exactly. Uh, anyway. Good times. Good times. Well, we're missing our co-host, Andy, who is off doing interesting camping and tech-related things. So check him out. I was about to say, hiding out in the woods with technology. I, you know, got, got to love that. I, I appreciate that on every level and seeing some of his pictures coming across the Twitter feeds. Check him out. You'll see what it is, and you'll be uh, impressed uh, as, as we are. Um, Michael, speaking of impressive things going on this weekend in the out, great outdoors, you have something that you're doing on Sunday, aren't you? A- a- after yes. the show is produced. So and, and after the show has yeah. uh, dropped for most people, I will have uh, done my first outdoor, uh, my first performance singing in over two, almost two and a half years. Wow. Wow. So, That's going to be incredible. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I know at least part of it will be really, really good. <laughs> and i'll let people come decide which part which part Ho- hopefully it's something between the beginning and the end right yeah. well usually that's a good good segment good bracket at. right there yeah but All the right. question is is it zero based is it inclusive or exclusive oh uh, well you know that, that's a set logic is a good feature yes. topic for the two of us for sure isn't it um, we have got all kinds of links and stories to share with everybody because it's been a two-week uh, break in the action, so to speak, for us. So let's let's jump right in. Let's jump in. Um, let's we we have. Um, I was listening on the radio this morning. Uh, the celebration over in London Town uh, of the Platinum Jubilee. For, I was about to say it wasn't diamond; it was platinum. No, it's right? platinum. Yeah. yeah, it's the longest reigning monarch of the British empire um and uh, I'm, I'm i'm sure i've just done something uh, hor- hor- horrible horrible and i didn't mean to so anyway we're celebrating along with everyone in, there and the, the folks over at Waze, the the google acquisition which we have talked about on this show like i don't know umpteen times uh, decided to do something about. special right and their special experience is you can now if you are in certain countries certain locales uh be enabled to drive with the queen and Unfortunately, Michael, you and I are not in those are certain not. countries. No, I, and I, I was hoping that Andy would be available today and would say, "Oh yes, I've heard heard her voice while I've been 
tootling around <laughs> in my in my uh, in my vehicle with the with the boot <laughs> with, with the boot. Yes, and and being and maybe maybe getting some pointers and tips on how to properly wave and acknowledge the crowd as you're you're driving by. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> For those people who didn't see that on the audio podcast, we were we were waving appropriately. Uh, you know, uh, with from the the whole Gilbert and Sullivan thing, uh, will you be getting we begin your uh, your concert and performance this Sunday we, with the appropriate? Tune? We don't do that. We don't do that for concerts. We only do that for the show. For the, the only theater. for the shows. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those who don't know, we, what we would do is we would act. We actually have uh, in one of the. Um, uh, what do you call those things? Side As stage the, booths. The booths, yeah. Yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, we have Queen Victoria sitting up there. Yes. Uh, and her entourage, uh, and they sing with parts of the show. Yes. And we start right. the show singing "God Save the Queen." So, so for for those of you that are in in the appropriate countries, you can download ways if you haven't already, and you can now now drive with the Queen. The rest of us, I guess, we have to just uh, console ourselves with driving with like Mister T or. You know somebody else. I pity instead. the fool who doesn't get to drive with Mister T. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, next up, um, this is uh, this is a a, a a topic that crossed my radar a week and a half plus ago. Uh, all of us, uh, as Michael, you've been mentioning too, not doing a lot of things in person, so doing tons of things virtually. Um, this this caught my attention because it is a blog post with ten of the best virtual games for large groups. So if you are yes. in a uh, big Zoom or WebEx or Teams or whatever session where everybody is just a little square somewhere, and you are looking for that right icebreaker, that engagement mechanism here is a great blog post from mary hammond from the folks over on hoppin.com for uh, a few ideas and inspirations and I, I did you play any of these ever before i've seen people play among us in vr oh okay i was not in vr to see them i saw them externally watching them on a video feed playing among us and that that looks really fun well, I, I, my kids have played Among Us quite a bit, but I, I always thought that you you were limited by the number of people that could be there, right? Because isn't it like 10 or 12 per game or something like that? Something like that. Uh, this the team that I saw was about six people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so maybe that works for, for those kind of smaller groups, and that's that's a good thing, and it's a good amount of game time. I like the very first one of the list here, which was the GeoGuessr, which the, the notion that behind it cool. is... You're you're dropped somewhere on the planet, and you got to figure out where the heck you are, and you get benefits. You know, the closer you are to what you do. So, if you're like, "Hey, I'm going to walk around Street View, and I see uh, signs with a whole bunch of consonants and no vowels," you might guess you're somewhere in Wales, right? And then you could download what? And then you could download <laughs> ways, maybe, yes, maybe, and, right? And drive around and pip pip. <laughs> Now, now speaking of maps, Michael, uh, this, yes. was, this was another thing that um, I saw from someone somewhere uh, on Twitter that used this particular service to create a fantasy map to show relationships between various and sundry topics. So, like, if you were doing a presentation, Michael, to uh, a bunch of your technology colleagues and you wanted to show the affiliation between six or seven different sets of technologies, you could have this facility create a map for you 
and then flash it up on the screen and you can kind of show, you know, hey, you know, well, this this is related to that and this is nearby to such and thus. Um, and you did a map actually just in the pre-show, didn't you? Yeah, I, and, and I actually like this from the purposes of, you know, back in the day when I, I actually had time to play Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, yeah. I liked large campaigns, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just running through a dungeon was fun, you know, for a weekend. But I like to have very large campaigns with world maps and things of that nature. And generating the world maps is always a really pain, a, a big pain to do. Um, from that perspective, uh, I, I got into this tool and started playing around with setting up, you know, a, a random world with various monarchies set up that you could s- kind of define the battle space. Uh, so I, I think these types of tools are great. Uh, you know, using it to show relationships between real data, mm-hmm. right, or real concepts is also a great use for this. Uh, and and uh, I I was very much impressed by the tool. It was it was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I th- that was the use case that I saw, and but I, I definitely understood the fantasy aspect of it too. And if you all listening audience are lucky, uh, I might actually find some of my really old colored pencil, the old Faber-Castell drawings of maps and fantasy worlds and structures that I had built up Um, because I love doing that, too. And and maybe maybe that's why I liked Waze so much and the map based games and all that sort of stuff. Well, And it's it's why, you know, I like parts of WoW where it's the discovery part when a new uh, a new expansion drops and you're you're exploring a new space and and uh trying to learn various paths that you need to navigate and discover cool models that they've set up for for locations and stuff so i yeah I completely agree and 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 i don't know if we've talked about this on the show yet but uh, over the course of the pandemic there have been a couple of times when i've just needed serious amounts of distraction time and one of the no. things that I did was to get on this um, on the Nintendo Switch a copy of uh, what was it? What was it? Is with the Lego Skywalker Saga. So I've ah. now I've now played through all of the movies, all nine, and it's the the ability to move from place to place, mm-hmm. right? So you you can go to Endor, you can go to Hoth, you can go to wherever, and you have the spaceships to let you travel, and you can be in in space around Endor, or you yep. can fly down and land on the planet and 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 uh, be able to work in the environment. Really, really cool navigational aspects that have a direct relationship to the sort of things that we've been doing virtually and talking about here for a good long while too. Yeah. Well, the, the really interesting thing about that is uh, that was one of the things I really enjoyed about star Wars galaxies when it was first out, right. Mm-hmm. Was the fact uh, when they added the, what they call it faster than light expansion, which was when you got access to your ship Yeah, and you could take shuttles between worlds and get that experience on a new planet with different atmosphere and different environments and different creatures, etc. But then they added the ship travel, uh, which allowed you to then get above the existing planet and do exploration there, do asteroid mining, you know, all those things that kind of immerse you more in the whole the whole uh, galaxy. I almost said world, but it was a galaxy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, very, very cool. Well, and speaking of that, mm-hmm. uh, saw the, uh, the the LARPing 
article uh, in the New Yorker as it relates to the new Disney experiences. What did you think of this? I, well, so I love this article, and it's probably a little long for us to talk about in great depth on the show here for today. But it, it, if if you haven't had a chance to read it, uh, it hits square at the heart of what we do and what we talk about on this podcast. And we've we've discussed already before the Disney experience and what it's like to go to the hotel and have the two and a half three days and be immersed immersed in the Truly environment immersed. right where you can choose to play a character and you can choose that you really don't you just want to sit in the lounge and play I want to be a maintenance droid right that's that I just want to be a maintenance <laughs> droid <laughs> I, I could see that Michael <laughs> wouldn't that be fun <laughs> Yeah, it, it as long as it's not a plumbing maintenance droid. Ooh, that would not <laughs> that would not be good. <clears throat> nor nor that, would it be good to have to bad. squish yourself into like a little droid container. That could be yes. bad too. <laughs> but the what I loved most about this article was talking about how how did Disney arrive at the model for the Galactic Star Cruiser and the experience and and how pervasive LARPs are for so many different spaces mm-hmm. and places to and, and allow for those people who to don't, act. And for those people who don't remember, LARP is uh, live action role playing. Right? Yes. Uh, so, so just... I figure most of our audience knows that, but uh, no, no, no. It's, I it's, have a it, couple of new listeners this week. Always good to to explain what the acronyms stand for. So, so you're right. The 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 main thrust of all this, though, is that the participants in these environments are acting a role. So you may have one of you somewhere or another may have done a uh, dinner mystery murder. You know, yes. you could buy a box kit, everybody arrives at dinner, you hand them a, a beverage of some sort and say, okay, pick out of this hat and that's gonna be your role with the things that you do say and so on. And it's fun and it allows you to experience things that are um, it through the eyes of your character. And for those of us that do have an acting background, uh, this is a very natural thing to be able to slip into another role and then engage with other people that are also playing in their roles too. I I do it at least five days a week, right? (laughs) (laughs) At least, right? At least five days. And even when you are remote, you know, these sort of things can happen as well. So highly recommend the article. It's well worth reading through. It's well worth seeing how real emotions can come out in times and spaces and places where you're acting and where it also allows for breakthrough thinking because it's an experiential learning, not just entertainment kind of thing. All right, so um, now uh, the, the all these stories hang together super nicely. So they do, the, and I don't know how that happened this time. Uh, you know? uh, well, it, it just must be a, a you know a, a concentration of the force coming together to uh, pinpoint us down the specific path. It must be, must be. So, so, so like this millions one... of voices cried out. <laughs> oh gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, something to say said, about that, and I'm not going to go there right they, now. They said, "Don't murder me in a virtual world." <laughs> yeah, so so we've talked plenty of times about the notion of being in a game allows you the freedom to try things out in a game that you would never do in real life, right? So you might take out your axe or your sword, try to hack down that door that in a real world or in a LARP experience, you're probably not going to take out your axe or your sword and hack down the door because somebody had to pay for that door, right? So you may and, not and do that. And you'd probably freak out everybody around you. 
if you suddenly started doing that. Yeah, you might. It'll be it'll be a little loud. It might be a little freaky. Well, apparently, according to this next web article, uh, there is an AI minister in the UAE who is talking about crimes in the 3D internet, the virtual worlds, the metaverse space, and that when you do a PVP, which may be exactly how the game or the environment or whatever is structured, um, that's a crime. And um, for those that are embodied in the environment and for those that are seeing exactly how this behaves, you can tell right away that that's going to be a problematic thing because PVP is a very natural experience in some spaces uh, in other spaces, probably not so much, right? We've, we've talked about griefing before yep. and in the sense of griefing, you know, if someone is up there giving a talk or a presentation or sharing a story, uh, doing something in a PVP mode is probably incongruent with the intent. So I get that, but trying to legislate or trying to prosecute for this well, sort of a behavior, it, it was it was um, it was intriguing to read about as a thought experiment, at I, least. I I think he's a few years in advance of where he needs to be, but I I actually don't have a problem with the basic thought, uh, and that is, can you codify some social norms uh, in virtual spaces for when the normal space will be virtual, right? And when you think about setting laws in place, we tend to write laws after the fact. And, and we, um, the law has a hard time keeping up with technology. Sure, absolutely. And we've all kind of seen in, in various science fiction stories, um, you know, movies, etc., cetera, uh, the potential long-term um, implications of certain behaviors in virtual environments. Mm-hmm. As an example uh, that he gives here is, uh, or at least in the article is given, that uh, if you're in a virtual space and somebody sneaks up behind you, jumps out, and stabs you in the back, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is an avatar you've been working for years and years, and you've become emotionally attached, and ex- you know that is an extension of you, because an avatar is an extension of you, right? Uh, and if that avatar then dies you may experience post-traumatic stress disorder for that is a traumatic experience. So if I commit an act that causes PTSD in another person, regardless of the location, am I in any way liable for that? Well, so ne- now neither you, take you that or I am an attorney. The only, the, the only difference is in one case, it's, you know... I'm a school shooter in a public place, and the other one is I stabbed someone in a virtual space. So what is what is the what is the gradient on that to where it becomes an issue, especially as if we look ten years out, twenty years out, thirty years out, more and more of life could potentially be in virtual spaces. So I think it's a great ex- mental exercise to figure out what type of rules do you in pla- put in place now. So that we don't have to experience that, versus kind of what we do today, where we wait till a major negative event occurs and then we react to it in order to address new rules and regulations. Yeah, I, it, it's a, that's an interesting 
angle to come at it, Michael. I wasn't expecting you to do that, but it is an interesting angle to come at. And my reaction is, is that the virtual world that you enter, much like when you cross boundaries between countries, has different norms, yep. social constructs, rules, and laws. So if, if you enter an environment where causing harm in one way or another is not allowed and cannot happen, the code will prevent that. Um, I agree. And, and by code, I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking no, about you mean what, the code. what can actually happen. Yes. Um, in, the, in, the social contract that's written into the blockchain. <laughs> well, well, that's that's now that's a little different. A social contract is is now not code in terms of if then go to. Well, it it is, is if you put the it, contract in the blockchain. Well, no, then it's a representation that's immutable of what people have said, and that's still subject to interpretation. It's just, uh, it, it's not. I don't see that as code. Uh, un- unless you're trying to say everything's reduced to ones and zeros, in which case, yeah, sure, well, everything's actually, code. My, my, my point there is, uh, and I agree with you, uh, there are rules and norms that are enforceable in different environments right. online. Right? right. So if you've got open lunacy land, right, anything goes. Um, matter of fact, in World of Warcraft, I'll use that as a great example, mm-hmm. there are PvP servers right. where you can kill anybody you want of the opposite faction. And there are PVE servers that if I want to kill you, I have to ask permission for us both to go into PVP mode so we can kill each other, right? Uh, And so I tend to stay on PVE servers because I don't like PVP. Uh (laughs) And if somebody comes up and does the little little thing saying, hey, you want a duel? I say no and move on. (laughs) Yes. Right? So, So I think... The, the nuance here and the reason why I thought this was a really fascinating thought exercise to go down is we have to define and implement something on those boundaries, right? Right now, the vision of the metaverse that people are uh, projecting out there is everything's open. Yeah. And I think having those safe spaces, having those... If, if we don't have those safe spaces, you are going to have regulatory implications that come into play, right? Yeah, well, you'll uh, have so, it anyway. Right? You'll well, have it You'll anyway. have self-regulation, yeah. right? Because I'm going to build a, a virtual environment that's for only people who like to play with puppies and kittens, <laughs> right? Uh, and if you try to play with a, a goat, not allowed. Or, yeah, or, or bunnies with big, sharp teeth, um, right? Not allowed. Not allowed. Uh, so there's... I can enforce that in my environment, but that crossing the border, when things are portable across borders, if my weapon that I've created, my plus five Vorpal Bunny weapon, right, um, is great in Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, and I carry it across the metaverse into puppy land, mm-hmm. right, um, whose rule applies? So these are the exercises that I think we need to go through to figure out. Well, so I, I thought it was a great article. It is, and, and there's one more point I'm going to make before we leave it, and that, and that is there's a notion of what is real, right? So th- this article presupposes that an avatar is real, 
and mm-hmm. what happens is permanent. And there may be a, a condition, for example, to use your vo- plus five Vorpal bunny sword, yes. where in some world or environment, someone lifts it off of you. Yeah. So you, we could prosecute them potentially for theft. If it weren't for the fact that in the blockchain, that particular Vorpal bunny weapon belongs to you, and it doesn't matter if somebody took it. Well, you have you, infinite copies of it that you could have any old time that you okay, want. Okay, you had to bring that example up. So what about the? So you, you heard about? Oh God, what's the guy's name? Um, Seth, not Seth Meyers. Greenberg. There's another, huh? Greenberg. No, no, no. Uh, he uh, he had. Oh, I gotta find the article. Uh, he does um, on the Cartoon Network. Uh, does a lot of co- cartoon shows and claymation type shows. Uh, used to be on Mary Oh, from Chicken. Robot Chicken? Robot Chicken. The guy yeah. who does Robot Chicken. Okay. So yeah. he had a NFT that he created a new web, uh, a new TV series that was about to launch using that NFT. I think it's a board, one of the Bored Apes. Okay. And someone stole his NFT. Right. Now, the NFT said he had the rights to it, so therefore he could publish a TV show with it. Sure. It was stolen. The person who stole it resold it to somebody else. That other person has a legitimate license now for that NFT. Oh, because they they bought it, but they without bought it without provenance. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's and the way like it was stolen, stolen artwork. Yes. So 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 these are the rules that have to be defined, right? right? Because that blockchain example, if it is taken from you through social engineering, where they got your a secret key and use that to move the object out of your wallet. Yeah. Again, These, what is what is real and and that presupposes a rule that there that is rule, one copy that is yep. legitimate, everything else is a derivative work. So in, in in this case the real copy is owned by someone who got it from a stolen copy. Right. And so that's where property law should come into which effect. currently is not in place for this right right and that's a gray area in in space yeah. because it's like so this okay is, and this is the great thing we've got, we've got to do these exercises which is why yeah. i think that's a great article no Very I'm, cool. i'd see it I, i'm glad we had this chance to, to talk it through really 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 cool um i, I want to be sensitive to time and you've got all kinds of fun stuff coming up here next week with yes. wwdc so um so are are, are you going are you yes, going to be flying? I'm virtually going. You're virtually I'm going. Not, I'm, I'm not getting on a plane. Uh, and there, there was, um, I don't know how many thousands of tickets, maybe one or 2,000 tickets that they made through a lottery for people to come to Apple Park and see the first day of events live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was it, right? Everything else is going to be virtual. Yeah. <laughs> and everything else is virtual. And it's like, you know, that's, that's a pretty expensive flight. First of right. all, it's a flight on a plane with people. Yeah, and stuff. With stuff. Yeah, um, and the, you had to choose one of like three things. One was like a tour of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, no. no. The other one's a tour of the developer center, the new developer yes. center that was developed. That would that be kind of yes. interesting, but it'd be like, oh look, there's desks and and. Overhead and projectors. <laughs> um, and I think, I can't remember what the third one is, but you get to go to the cafeteria or something like that. And it I'm wasn't like, going to be okay, Craig's I'm not special hair salon? Cross con- I'm not, all the way across country. Some people are flying halfway around the world yeah. to go for one day 
listen to potentially some pre-recorded videos oh my of gosh, the yeah, keynote right. and stuff, right? Yeah. To do that. No, no, no. I didn't even think about signing up for that. But yes, I am I'm going to really enjoy WWC next week. I'll be on West Coast time. I'll be doing eight plus hours a day digging through all the new cool content that's coming out. Um, the, the rumors going back and forth continue to be that they probably won't pre-announce the um, uh, the new AR VR headset. Um, it was but, uh, but rumored ROS, to be announced man. it's not. But I, I think at the very least they'll once again have more cool AR VR content stuff for developers to work on. Presupposing that sometime this year the headset comes out. Um, not, um, not not putting any pressure or anything, but curiosity. Are you planning to blog your way through next week? And if so, I'm, maybe I I've done it for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the amount of content that's interested, interesting okay. to me. Um, I I am hoping that they do announce, uh, and we've got some articles in here. I, I I'm hoping that they do announce more improvements to iPad OS. Yep. Uh, to make it much more productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I love my iPad Pro, right? With the keyboard, I do a lot with it. Um, if I were traveling, it would be my machine of choice. Uh, this podcast is edited on the iPad Pro. Um, so, very cool there. The thing that I hope for the most is that Swift takes Apple's core data framework and makes it like they did with UI stuff, going from UI Kit to Swift UI. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. want to see Swift data oh. to abstract the complexity of the database mm-hmm. away even more and make it even easier for people to start doing cool stuff with data sources uh, using Swift. I think that would be the that would be the coolest thing that I would like to see next week. Right. Um, Swift UI improvements, yes, fine, that's great. I know a lot of people are complaining about that. Uh, For my work, I don't need super complex UI elements uh, that people who are working on the edge of Swift UI are complaining about. But even in those cases, they can extend into UI kit. They they can get around it, right? Um, So so that one's not as big a deal for me. Um, Yeah, I, I think... I think this will be the last meaningful update to macOS for people on Intel, uh, which worries me because I have three different Macs all on Intel right now. Wow, yeah. So, well, my, but my I'm excited. The, the one I'm recording on is an Intel-based Mac, and it's a, it's a 2014 edition. So it you still know, runs. It's still running. It's well, it still runs, but it's not. It's now behind, right? So I don't have macOS. You can't uh, get Monterey on it. I, I I do get patches, but I can't get Monterey. So right. there are still patches that are being delivered for security purposes. I appreciate that. And I would that. expect Thank those you, to Apple. stop any day. <laughs> yeah. So, so. Oh, yeah, it'll be time for a new Mac for me, and I'm holding on until we can. Well, well, maybe 30 seconds on a, a game that you played, that you and I both oh, played. Oh, yes. So, so uh, I, I, um, this week, the... Um, pre-release of Diablo Immortal was made available on iOS, Android OS, iPad OS, um, 
I haven't checked to see if it's on Windows. I'm sure it is. That's supposed to drop on the second. Right. Because um, you can play cross-platform. So it will yes. persist whatever you did on yes. your phone onto your desktop. And it, it's Diablo. It's Diablo on the iPad. It's Diablo on the iPhone. It, it, it is Diablo. Um, it's simple mechanics. It, it works. Uh, it's fun. It, it, it'll get mindless over time, but uh, for right now, uh, you know, I can dip in it, dip in and out five minutes at a time. I'm really glad it's dropped and I'm enjoying it. The downside, and we've got an article about this, is it is loot, loot box heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want you to buy those loot boxes so that you get extra blah, 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 right? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I, I, I give Blizzard enough of my money. Uh, I'm not buying loot boxes. Oh, did you allow them to give you notifications? Because nope. uh, one of the articles was like, "Hey, you should play. Hey, you should play. Hey, yeah, you should no. play." And I'm like, no, I, I don't. I don't do that either. So it's I like, don't allow, allow games to give me notifications ever. Yeah, right. I have enough notifications in my life. I, I the game for me is downtime, mental downtime. So, yep, it's good All and right. fun, and you can pretty much almost do single button play. Well, right. between now and our next show that we're planning, so not next week, but the week after, I will have some Diablo action going on. And if there is a way for us to play together, Michael, I'll, I'll be texting you. Let's let's figure that out. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll get we'll get a server rolling. It'll be fun. Sounds good. All right. Well, well until next time, time. See ya. See ya for for the next show. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming, technology, and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network, and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz, or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. GamesAtWork.biz.